Welcome back to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. If you're new here, feel free to listen to any one of our previous episodes. Our mission is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. We're going to be in uh, the book of 1 John chapter 4 this morning. 1 John chapter 4. These three letters John wrote with the intent that individuals would be reading these letters um, in different churches and different settings. It's one of those letters that doesn't have any address to a particular church in it. But it does have some solid instruction. When John wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John... um, we're talking quite a few years after Jesus Christ's um, death, burial, and resurrection. Um, some theologians say that it's about 35 years. Some of them even take it a whole lot farther, saying it was like 65 years later uh, when John had wrote this letter. So the church had been established long enough for it to actually be an established church. But but it, it a church isn't a, a church. A church isn't healthy because it's been established. It's not healthy because it has the name of a church. A church is healthy when its church members are healthy. Now the health, our physical health, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about our spiritual health. And the spiritual health of a believer um, really hinges on one thing. And that's the truth. The truth. Now you say, well, Jesus, well, finish this for me. I am the way. The way, the truth, and the life. Uh, this doesn't take anything away from Jesus to say that one thing that, that, that the Christian's life hinges on is the truth. Um, it will determine what kind of a Christian a person is. You say, wait a minute, I thought a Christian is a Christian. No, you got Christians who are inactive Christians, the ones who don't go to church, don't do. They just one day said that they placed their trust in Jesus. May have, that's. But the more that an individual grows, the more that an individual knows. The more that an individual knows, the more we realize that this is much more than just picking up a book and reading it. That it's it's the living, breathing Word of God. Meaning, God didn't give it to us just for us to be able to read. He gave it to us because it was important instruction from Him when it comes to our life. Now, you've heard me say many times before that uh, we're not entitled to an opinion. I still hold to that. But let's say for the sake of discussion that I say you are entitled to an opinion. Where should that opinion have come from? What should come from the Bible, right? Here's the problem, though. What if you don't know it? Then all of a sudden, one of the most important resources available to a Christian has been removed from them. There's no longer... There's no longer the authority of the scripture to actually put us in check when it comes to our um, mistakes. The idea is not, hey, did I just do something wrong and then go find out? The idea is to learn what God says is honoring to him and what is not honoring to him. And then our lives should be molded on that. And here's the deal, folks, and this is a fact. You think it's hard now. You just wait. Because some of the stuff that John's going to talk about here is is really, really scary stuff. It's not about the end times. It doesn't mention anything about Revelation. If you read through the passage, you'd probably read right through it like you've read it a hundred times before and it wouldn't jump out at you. This passage of Scripture is terrifying. Because if Christians don't train themselves up in the Word of God, I mean, people can't hardly handle life today. Right? The pressures that we have in life today, people can't handle it. What if I was to tell you that when Jesus comes back, or before just before Jesus comes back, matter of fact, tomorrow it's going to be worse than today. And if Jesus tarries for another 10 years, if Jesus tarries for another 20 years, we're going to see some huge changes in this world. Huge changes in this world. And life's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. Trying to find the will of God in a particular circumstance is going to become more and more difficult 
to do. Because there is this stigma in the world that says that churches are just full of a bunch of stuck-up people who really don't care about anybody but themselves, who really think that they're better than everybody else. It's a, it's a real stigma out there. There are a lot of people who are believers who, who will hold that opinion. The fact is the church is being defined by people in an inaccurate way, but is it the people's fault or is it the church being the church in an inaccurate way? It's the church being the church in an inaccurate way. I was in a discussion with somebody a couple weeks ago, and all they continued to tell me was, but God is love. But God is love. But God is love. Is that a true statement? Is it a fully true statement? Is that all God is, is love? No. There are circumstances that we live in this world. We're not entitled to opinions. We're not. I mean, you're going to settle on an opinion, whether you're entitled to it or not. But the fact is, every believer's opinions should be the result of what they know in the scriptures. And if individuals lived by that rule, then we would see a completely different world in front of us. If I brought a vehicle to you that had the engine light on, and you had zero equipment or zero knowledge about the vehicle that I brought to you, and you talk to me like you know what you're talking about, how far should I take your word if you know nothing about it? I mean, I can tell you something, right? If I was the guy that was telling somebody, I could tell you something, right? How many of you guys have ever had anybody tell you something that they obviously knew absolutely nothing about? Happens all the time. Christians are walking through this world in absolute ignorance. And I use that in the truest sense of the word. It's genuinely that we don't know any better. And why do we not know any better? Because we don't know. There are, folks, there are circumstances in the lives that we live in. Did you know my position on the vaccine is a, is, is a biblical position? For me, it is. My conviction is not for everybody else, and I've said many, many times before that I'm not against the vaccine. I'm not for the vaccine. Personally, not for me. I have my reasons for that. That's called liberty. Where else have we been given liberty? Well, we've been given liberty in every choice that we make in life. Right? You decide. You accept the consequences of your choice. Right? Who gave us that liberty? God gave us that liberty. Let me tell you something. I'm going I'm to tell you something. Probably not going to be very popular. But did you know that there's something more deadly than COVID? called death because with covid you got a chance to die right what's your chances of getting out of death i mean i would say that death being the end result of human life would be cause for us to become individuals who are very very cautious right how many people have you seen god come down to earth and forced to choose him in order to get out of that death I've been in conversations with people before, and I'll talk to people about the gospel, and if individuals just refuse to answer, I, I, I totally respect somebody's liberty and decision to go to hell. I respect that. If that's what they want, I'm just going to share the gospel. What they do with the gospel is completely entirely up to them because they have liberty. So I say that to say this. My opinion on the vaccine is not molded by what scientists are telling me, what doctors are telling me, what politicians are telling me, what friends are telling me, and what family is telling me. My opinion, mine, is based off of what I know in the scripture. And if you're going to make a decision on anything in this world, 
you better make sure that you've looked thoroughly because context matters. Context matters. Because, folks, the fact is, as we continue to move further and further towards the end of the world, the devil is going to continue to get more and more manipulative. He's going to do everything that he can to try to create divisions inside the church, divisions inside the hearts and minds of individuals, and divisions in the hearts and minds of the churches corporately as a whole. And I'm here to tell you, folks, how many of you guys have fallen for one of the, the devil's schemes in the last month? Have you ever fallen for one last month? Anybody willing to raise your hand and admit that with me? We fall for it, right? And, and the fact is, he's getting better at this. If we as Christians really do believe that God's word is infallible. Infallible. What's that mean? It means applicable to every life situation. Applicable to every life situation. Every life situation. What part of your life should not be molded around this? Should your mind be molded around this? Should your heart be molded around this? Should your life be molded around this? Should your opinions be molded around this? Yes. And we got to be people who just stop believing people. We got to just stop believing people. You sit in this you sit in this church and I'll tell you if I don't I don't say it every Sunday, but I say it quite often. Don't take my word for it. The words are going to be up there. The words are in the book in your lap. You have a chance to check me in everything that I do. You can go home pull all of your reasons out of your shelves, pull all your books out of your shelves, and you put whatever time and attention into checking out what I said, whether it's true or not, then you form your opinion. But here's the problem with an opinion. Opinion is neither true or false. It's just an opinion. So it really should be Am I an individual who's going to live my life being motivated by what the Bible says? Or am I going to be a person motivated by what the world around me says? Because the world around us will say whatever it can. And devil's the one that's manipulating it. But they will say everything that they can and anything that they can and set as many traps as they can to try to take you out of the game. He doesn't have to get you to go back on Christianity to take you out of the game. All he has to do, you did not read the Bible. He's just got to stop the influx of knowledge into your brain. If he can't stop it, then he can manipulate it. He can start putting people out like Joel Osteen, who'll stand in the pulpit and talk about how good and happy life is. And if you just have faith, you can turn everything in life around and make it all peachy keen. He never talks about sin. But how many people does he have sitting in his church every Sunday? 14,500 people fill this man's church every Sunday. And he stands in that pulpit and he says the things that he says. And how many of the people do you think that are out in that sanctuary are checking him out to see whether what he's saying is accurate or not? Oh, don't talk about Joel. Hurt somebody's feelings. Don't talk about any of these other guys because you might hurt somebody's feelings. This is the problem, folks. This is the whole issue. The whole issue. It's not that hard to check somebody out. Don't get mad at me because I say something you don't like. Okay? That's not a solution. I'm encouraging you with all of the love that I have for each and every one of you to take anything that I say and check it. I've asked about 20 people just to produce a five-second clip of Joel Osteen and all of the videos he has of him talking about sin, and guess how many of them I've gotten? None, because they don't exist. This isn't an opinion, folks. This is... I'm getting to, and we're going we're gonna to get into this chapter four here in just a second. That's an opinion. When somebody says, Joel Osteen's an awesome preacher, man. 
That is opinion. How do I know it's an opinion? Because there is absolutely no evidence of there being fact-based information to back that up. None. None here. Is the gospel all good? It's not. Is it always fun? It's not. Gospel always make you happy? Doesn't. Satan has done a smash-up job in pulling the focus of individuals away from what God really said and has begun replacing it with everything that... And it's, this isn't brand new. You remember what he said in the garden, right? Well, God told us if we eat of the tree of the, gar of the knowledge of good and evil that we'll die. Remember his response? You surely won't die. You will just become like him. Flat out lie. That's how he started. How do you think he's going to finish? Somewhere along the line, he's going to become a good guy? Take a look at chapter 4, start with verse, uh, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. You say, well, man, how, how in the world are we supposed to be able to gauge whether something is from God or not based on what a spirit says? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. In other words, it's not that a spirit is confessing that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Did you know your actions actually, um, your actions actually prove that you believe that Jesus came in the flesh or prove that you do not believe that Jesus came in the flesh? Did you know your actions, your words, your thought, your speech? Those things are determined based on whether or not you believe Jesus came in the flesh. Because, I mean, honestly, if, if, if we was to say Jesus didn't come in the flesh, what's the cost of that? Well, first cost is there's no salvation, right? Because salvation was found in him and him alone. So if there was no Jesus on earth, then there is no salvation. If there was no Jesus on earth, there was no human example of what it is that Jesus Christ has called us to be. If Jesus Christ had not come in the flesh, the world would be a completely different place. If a spirit believes or confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, then that spirit is going to make sure that its words and its actions are going to follow along line, the line of Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Because otherwise he's just a story, right? I mean, if there's just a story and he never did come down here, it's just a story. There's no power in a story that has no depth or girth to it, right? But what does it do for me to know that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? One, he felt the same struggles I did, the same temptations I did. He felt the same pain I did. He felt the same struggle I did. When his stomach growled, it was no different than when mine growls. When Jesus dealt with people on the street, he was showing us examples of how to deal with people. And not everything that Jesus Christ did, if people were just standing back and watching, would have been considered to be something that was done out of love. There's a lot of things Jesus did. Would you say that Jesus is incapable? Um, or I should say, yeah, do you, do you believe that Jesus is, is incapable of not loving? Make sure you got that straight. Do you think Jesus is incapable of not loving? In other words, does Jesus love everybody? Of course he does. He died on the cross for everybody. He, he loves everybody. Um, is he going to treat everybody the same at the, on Judgment Day? No, he's not. 
some of the people that he loved, he's going to condemn to a sinner's hell for an eternity. Some of the people that he loves, he's going to let into his kingdom. The difference between the two? One of the person, one of the persons lived their life in such a way as they do believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Let me put it to you this way. And this may not be the best example, but it works. Are you tough are you tougher talking to your dad when you're on the phone with him or when you're face to face with him? Do you feel like you can get away with more stuff when you're on the phone or when you're face to face? It's okay to answer the question. We're all a bunch of chickens, right? We'll say something to somebody if they're far enough away from us. As soon as they take a step towards us, it becomes, it becomes real. And at that point, we start reassessing the situation, right? There's a big difference between God being here and God being there. Amen? Because, I mean, we've all convinced ourselves that God doesn't have any of these characteristics that give him the ability to see everything that we do in our life, that gives him the ability to hear everything we think, we actually, as long as he's out of sight, he's out of mind, right? I mean, as long as he's in heaven, he can't see what I'm doing, right? I can make whatever choice that I want to. We're worried about our spouses finding out. We're worried about our parents finding out. We're worried about our kids finding out. Do you know who I never hear people say they're worried about finding out? God. Because he doesn't have to find out, he knows. Verse 3, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. This is where it's frightening, folks. This was 2,000 years ago. This was written 2,000 years ago. And he said, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist, not talking about the embodiment of the Antichrist. In order for the Antichrist to come, everything has to be prepared in time for him to actually come. So the spirit of the Antichrist is actually what is preparing him to show up. The spirit of the Antichrist is the individuals that are out there that are telling you lies. The individuals who say things like, um, a fetus in the womb is not, a, is not a baby. Scientifically, they make some pretty strong arguments, don't they? Well, what does that say? It says, I knew you before you were even conceived. It says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. It speaks like there is an attachment between creator and creation that can't be eliminated, but there's a detach in the society that we live in today that has convinced people that just because it's a life doesn't mean that it's alive. We, we hear it all over the place nowadays with people saying things that are half-truths and things that are no-truths. The spirit of the Antichrist, he's paving the way for the Antichrist to come. And he's trying to, trying to build as many individuals as he can. And many of these individuals actually think they're serving God when they do what they do. This is no different than a Muslim. They'll blow, they'll blow your family up if they have a reason to. And who are they doing it for? They're doing it for God. Verse 4 says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They're from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the, and the spirit of error. Sounds pretty bold that he would say something like, um, for him to make such a bold statement as to say that uh, anyone who does not listen to us isn't listening to God either. 
But here's the difference. I don't believe that anybody here today could actually say that. Because, again, context matters. When he said, listens to us, the only thing that they had back then was apostolic teachings. There were a few writings that were being made at this time, but they didn't have a Xerox copier where they could just run off a whole bunch of copies and send them all across the country. They didn't have that. When a letter was written, it was written for the purpose of being sent to a particular church or to a particular person. So there was no send it to the printers. Most of the individuals didn't operate on letters, a book, 27 New Testament, 66 total books of the Bible. Um, they, wouldn't look at the, they wouldn't look at that and see the miracle. But the truth was all they had was apostolic authority. This is why... This is why apostles are impossible to make today. It's impossible. You hear another denomination say that they can, there's such a thing as an apostle today. Give me their address. I'll call them a liar to their face. Because the fact is it just can't happen. Uh, anybody can be a disciple, but not anybody can be an apostle. Being an apostle requires two things. One, for you to physically, not spiritually, physically be called by Jesus Christ to follow him. Two, must also physically, not spiritually, physically be taught by Jesus Christ. So it just makes perfect sense that even though I believe that Jesus did come back when Paul was in Arabia and spent three and a half years teaching Paul um, in Arabia at the beginning of his ministry, um, after Paul, there were no more people that were physically called by Jesus. There were no more people who were um, physically taught by Jesus. So if the only source of the truth that you have is these 11 individuals through the life of Jesus Christ, 12 after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. These 12 individuals, they held 100% of the knowledge of God. 100% of it. Couldn't get it from anywhere else. Because it wasn't in book form. Because the letters were being written. So to them... They had the ability to say this then, and it cannot be said now. You say, well, why? Because we aren't running on apostolic information anymore. We don't need John to actually come and tell us anything because we have it in written form. So when the apostles brought the word to the people, that was the only source of the truth. So when he says, he who, he who knows God listens to us, he who is not from God does not listen to us, he's talking about those who know God recognize God's truth. And that the source of that truth is the apostles. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now here's where it kind of gets... What's love? I've talked about this many times before in the church. The definition that the world gives is an emotional feeling that somebody has towards someone else. It's not a biblical form of love. The biblical form of love is first very unconditional. Second, it doesn't choose between one or the other. Everything that we do, I should say, in God's eyes, is a result of our intentions and motivations. Is it the thought that counts? It does to God. You ever do anything that was 100% intended to be for the right reason, but it just didn't work out the way you planned it to? Do you honestly think God's going to look down on you and say, shame on you, terrible job, erase it, start over? The fact is this. When you love somebody, you often tell them things they don't want to hear. Because that's what love does. Love tells the truth. 
Love doesn't lie. Now, somebody's going to go home after this next weekend. They're going to go put something on. They're going to go to their husband and say, does this make my butt look big? If you're bold enough, like my dad, you'll say, no, it's your butt that makes your butt look big. (laughs) The truth is always supposed to be the result of love. Because here's what I get the sense that the culture today wants us to do. The culture wants us to stay in the building, stay out of politics, stay out of cultural discussions, stay out of anything that could possibly cause a problem, that could possibly make somebody mad, that could possibly create a scenario, just stay out of it. I want to ask you a serious question. If Jesus was here today, would he have a Facebook account? You sure? Are you sure he wouldn't have a Facebook account? The man who sat on the Sea of Galilee and spoke to 5,000 men, not counting women and children, whose purpose in life was to bring life to those who were lost, now has access to potentially 250 million people instead of 5,000. And you don't think he would have a Facebook account. I think he would. I think he'd be on Facebook. I think he'd be on Twitter. I think he'd be in jail more than I am. Because if you follow the life of Jesus, and if you believe that he loved everybody, man, he sure wasn't very nice about it. I mean, what kind of a person that loves somebody else calls them a brood of vipers? Or what kind of a person who loves someone else calls somebody a fool? Jesus did it. So which is it? Does he love everybody? Why does he love everybody except for the one person he called a fool? Now, we ever find ourselves calling people names for the sake of calling people names? Again, motivation's everything. It's a thought that counts, right? It's not okay for me to walk in and hurt somebody for the sake of hurting them. It's not okay. Is it okay to potentially hurt somebody's feelings in order to point out to them that something they're doing in their life is contrary to God's will? Is that hate? Or is that love? And I always go back to the partying days when I was younger. Had a buddy who drank too much. I'd take his keys away from him and everybody around him would give me a hard time because I took the guy's keys away. Do you love a guy when he's drunk more by giving him his keys? Or do you love him more by taking him away? Do you love somebody more by telling them that the sin that they're committing in their life is what's going to send them to hell for an eternity? Or do you avoid the person's feelings and avoid the truth and let them know that God is love? God's love. It's okay. The fact is, folks, it's okay to make mistakes. We do that. That's we're human beings. But the idea is not to be someone who continues to live with the consequences of the choices that we make that are mistakes. That's not God's plan for our life. You can't do anything about yesterday. Don't even dwell on it. But if you start today, how is the truth driving you in your thoughts, your speech, your actions? Because I guarantee you this, if we don't play, play games, if we don't pretend, every one of us know when we made decisions when God was present and when we've made decisions when he wasn't. The gospel message and salvation of souls is important? Yes. Should we be telling people the gospel? You better believe it. 
Don't ever fall in a trap of thinking sharing the gospel only comes from your mouth. Lifestyle evangelism is real. When individuals see us, when they see the manifestation of God's truth in us, in our everyday actions, and we desire as individuals to learn more and to be more, that's our desire, not because we feel pressured to do it or because we feel like we're getting in trouble if we don't, but completely and totally out of gratitude. I mean, honestly, Jesus took the, he took the consequences of sin off of us and put them on himself. It took his life. It separated the Trinity for a time. What do you feel like you have the right to ask for one more of? When's it enough? I can prove the shambles that this relationship is in is in with people. You pray at night? When's the last time you prayed to God just to thank him for what he's done for you and not ask him for something? I'd venture to say that nearly 100% of our prayers are selfish. I mean, it's literally like God gave us everything, everything. Now, hold on, let me get on my knees and ask him for something else. At what point, at what point does he become appreciated enough for us to show the gratitude that he's deserved? And what has he really asked us to do that's outside of the normal You can continue to read through this chapter because I'm out of time. This chapter continues to talk about love because love has to be the motivator. It has to be the love of Christ instilled in us that motivates us. It has to be the truth of God's word instilled in us that drives us to do the things we do and be the people we be. Because if not, how are we any different than any institutional organization on this planet? Out of all of the institutions, organizations, organizations on the planet, how many of them does God own? I guess in order to be really accurate, I have to say three. Because he started those three institutions. Government, family, and the church. Those are the three institutions God, and on a side note, that's exactly why I don't think anybody else has the right to redefine marriage and what marriage is, because it's an institution that was created by God. He, gets, he created it, he gets to set the rules. I'm not somebody who wants to control individuals' lives. If somebody wants to go out and live whatever life they want to live, you go on out and live whatever life you want to live. That's entirely up to you. But it's another thing entirely to say that you're taking something that's marriage and turning it into something other than what God created it to be. See how that works? See how my opinion was all formed by... should be like that with everything, folks. Everything. We shouldn't trace it back to what makes sense. We shouldn't trace it back to what's best for us. We shouldn't trace it back for what's best for our family. We should trace it back to what's best for the gospel. Because the church has, has been motivated long enough in self-preservation. Don't say that. You're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Don't do that. You're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Let me tell you something. If, if you need to hurt somebody's feelings to show your love for them, then hurt them. Because it's an oxymoron otherwise. Again, we don't hurt people for the sake of hurting. I'm going to leave you with this. I've been all over the place this morning. Don't take anybody's word for it. Well, about what? Nothing. Don't take anybody's word for it. Why? Because they haven't earned the right to make you believe what it is that they have to say. Now, why do people so quickly latch on? Well, it's simple. It's because that's what the heart wants. 
Anybody who fights with me when I share the gospel with them out on the street? What are they fighting? Are they fighting that God gave them eternity? Are they fighting that God gave them a way to learn to truly love? Are they fighting that God gave them a way to continue to be good to other people? Are they, what are they afraid of? I don't understand it. I mean, it's, I've said this many times before. It's honestly just like somebody dying of hunger and you deliver a steak to them and they punch you in the nose for delivering a mistake. But are they capable? Do you think they're capable of being able to grasp the gospel if they're never confronted with it? Nope. We are a church in this country, folks, that is not driven by our belief in Jesus. We're not. In many cases, driven by money. Driven by fame and prestige. Driven by a name. Driven by a YouTube page. Driven by... Driven by a lot of things. But one thing the church has got to be getting back to is the truth. The truth that matters. It should be checked. It's not a small deal. The whole counsel of God's word. Not just the part that makes us feel good or the part that eases our pressures and our pains, but he also intended the parts that are hard for us to read for us to read too. He intended the parts that were going to bring conviction to our heart. He intended the parts that were going to make us think about our decisions and the consequences of those decisions. He should literally be the center of our life, driving us to make every choice in the decision that we make in life. Who created marriage? Quiz from five minutes ago. Who created marriage? God created marriage. How many of you guys have ever seen these marriage self-help books? You seen them? Been tempted to buy one? Who would be better? The one who is still trying to learn what God's love is? Or the one who created love? The one who created marriage? In every wedding ceremony, I tell every person, Wife, you love Jesus more than you love your husband. Husband, you love Jesus more than you love your wife. Why? You show me a man who loves Jesus, and I'll show you a man who loves his wife like Jesus intended it to. You show me a woman who loves Jesus, and I'll show you a woman who loves her husband like Jesus intended her to. This is not just true in marriage, folks. This is true in finances. This is true in everyday decisions that we make. We have to be individuals that are recentering ourselves constantly because we're human, and we get off center all the time. I've been in a funk for three months. I admit it. I have been in a funk for three months, pulling my hair out, trying to figure out ways to get the church back into the church. It's not my job to get people back in the church. I mean, that's the desired, hopefully, one of the desired effects of this, right? People don't show up at church. What's one thing you do? Huh? You love them. That's right. Just because they don't come here doesn't mean they're part of the family. They're not a part of the family anymore. People aren't here. We love them. When people are here, we love them. When people make mistakes, we love them. We help encourage each other. We help each other on this path. We provide opportunities for people to be able to get more nuggets of the truth, to accept it and apply it to their lives. For individuals who absolutely understand this, Life changes completely from this point forward in the marriage relationship, in the parenting relationship, in the friendship relationship. Everything improves when Jesus is put in his proper place. You know why? Because when we believe that Jesus won't lie to us, and we also believe that Jesus tells us the truth, we're not going to fall for just anything that anybody throws at us. You believe God or you believe your buddy? Let's be honest. Which of the two is more right? We got to stop letting this world press in on us. We got to stop letting us tell it, letting it tell us what's okay and what's not okay. 
we got to not let it get away with with slandering the truth of who God is. And we need to not let them get away with the bold-faced lies that people tell all the time. We don't have to be mean about it. We should be doing it with love. In hopes that somebody is going to get triggered to the point that they're going to actually go and check this out sometime. And who knows, maybe sometime they will. And promise to this, though, just go make a whole bunch of atheist friends and see how many of them you lead to Christ by being their friend. Without telling them the truth. And if you tell them the truth, let's see how long you remain their friend. There's a reason Jesus tells us to suffer with him. There's a reason that Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is for all of the people who have been persecuted for his name's sake. There's a reason that Jesus said those who desire to live ungod or live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He said that. But what are Christians today doing? Let's just figure out ways to interact with people so we may not upset them. Because God knows the worst thing on the planet that we can do is upset somebody. This is all about trigger warnings now. Did you know they're literally, they're literally saying that your words to somebody can be... That's what I'm looking for. Oh, what's it called when somebody gets arrested for beating somebody up? Assault. They're literally calling it assault to say something that hurts somebody's feelings. Where's this going? Now, there may be some younger people in here that don't get this because it wasn't my generation. We, we weren't a bunch of softies when I was growing up. Our uh, bullies didn't post things on Facebook. That wasn't how they did things. They did things like pulled your underwear up over your forehead and shoved you in a trash can upside down. Somebody tweeted something mean to me today. That's abusive. Never lose the motivator that is love. Always hold on to the truth. Make sure the truth is always shared in love. And just know, folks, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in this world, you are making people mad. And if you are not making people mad, you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing in this world as a Christian. Fact. How many of the apostles were martyred? All but one. And what happened to the one? Boiled in oil and lived. Could you imagine 2,000 years ago with the medical advancements they had back in? Back then, they had people who literally, this is when it started. If you had the flu or something, they could tap you and drain that out of your system by draining your blood out of your body. It's great medical advancements back then, right? How would you have liked to have been boiled in oil during those great medical advancements? Folks, every apostle died. Every apostle was persecuted. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ was persecuted. Every prophet that ever spoke a truth that God told them to died or were murdered because of the things that they had to say. The things we have to say in this world are not popular. It does not fall in line with or swing along with the things that everybody in our culture today are saying. The truth is the truth. And either we will go out being individuals who have shared the truth. Because, folks, the truth is this. It's not about dogmatism for me. I literally know the day is coming. I'm going to stand before God. Did you know you are? Because I know I am. And I believe the one question that's going to be asked of every person. What did you do with my son? What did you do with him? Because we'll all run around in this world, and if we stay clueless, we'll just run around and party, live the way we want to live, then one day we'll stand before God and go, oops. Or we'll be individuals who, if we truly trust in Jesus Christ, we're going to be who it is that he's called us to be on the planet to the best of our ability. We're going to accept his grace, and we're going to accept his mercy where we fail. 
But our drive is not going to be to fail. Our drive is going to be to succeed, and to succeed as people who trust in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, to be the people he called us to be. Not some cut-short form of it. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus, never followed through in believer's baptism, you can talk to me after the service or come forward either way. And just let me know, and we'll... I'll spend whatever time is necessary to answer your questions for you. I'll even come to your house if you want to call me and say, hey, I want to talk about this. I'll, I'll do whatever you want to do to be able to talk to you about that. If you're here today, though, and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to ponder this and think about your own individual life. Is my life centered around the truth? Is the truth what motivates me in my decision-making? Is it what motivates me in my relationships? Is it what motivates me in everything that I say, think, and do? Should be. Need forgiveness? Just ask him for it. Don't dwell on it. Don't dwell on 10 years, 5 years, yesterday. It's a waste of time. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of me. That's what Jesus said. Don't look back. You end up looking back, the row in front of you is going to be crooked. Look forward, but know that when God gave us his word, he had a very intentional purpose for it. It wasn't to decorate a coffee table or to decorate a shelf or to put all your family information in. He gave it to us because it's his instructions for us in life, life now and life later. Lean on it. Use it. Become it. I guarantee you, you'll see a side of life you've never seen before. Guarantee it. Thanks for listening. For more information about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We look forward to hearing from you. As always, have a blessed week. The Highland Southern Baptist Podcast is produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.